Hi. How are you? Good. Well, uh, we're interested in hearing what quantum computers and uh, the how AI, they will affect AI. Could you uh, kind of introduce yourself? Uh, I've watched a couple of your YouTubes on quantum computing. Just share a little bit of information about yourself. Yes. Yes. Uh, sorry, I got disconnected for a second. Uh, okay. Yes, I work as a quantum uh, as a quantum artificial intelligence uh, research scientist at Zapata Computing. It's a, it's a company that has a, a, a platform uh, where we for deploying uh, quantum and classical workflows and also has research and it has um, it sort of like we, we, we try to we try to bring quantum computing to uh, well, one of the questions that people have is or at least I, I have you know is uh, where where does quantum computing fit in it's, it seems like such a, uh, a different type of uh, computing system, you know, where you're getting, uh, you, you have basically the same thing. You have a kind of like a black box, an input and an output. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way it does that is very different. Absolutely. So for example, for machine learning, uh, it's, it's very different and you have, uh, some things are easier and some things are harder. So for example, if you want to do supervised machine learning where you have an input and an output, um, classical computers are, are very natural for that because you, you input something to the system and then an, an output comes out and then you uh, tweak, tweak the parameters for them to work well. Um, for, for, for supervised learning in, in a quantum computer, it's, it's a little hard because they, at least to, to implement uh, even a theoretical framework because the um, inputs are not clear. You, it's not it's not so easy how to input data into a quantum computer so you have to do it in an indirect way so a way to do it is for example using angles like if the numbers that you're inputting are angles on a system and then you pass a qubit through that system so it's not it's not clear the outputs are also the same thing because there's also a lot of randomness in a quantum computing in a quantum computer and so you would have um you know, your, your, your answer will be different every time. And you have to average them out or find an expected value or something. So there's those tweaks in the, in the input and in the output. Uh, it's, uh, you have to figure out a way around it. On the other hand, there's unsupervised learning in which, uh, for the most part, you are dealing with functions that have no input and do have an output. For example, a random number generator. The easiest function that has an output and no input is a, is a random number generator, a, a, fl a, flip, a coin flip. If I flip a coin, I'm not inputting anything, but a heads or tails come out, and I can tweak my coin so that... I think you just cut out a little bit. Um... They can't even generate good random numbers. Well, they generate good, very good pseudo-random numbers, but they can't fully create randomness. On the other hand, a uh, quantum computer is a, a random number generator by nature because measuring a qubit generates a random number. So when you're talking about unsupervised learning, 
quantum computers lend themselves easier to that because they they can create functions that have no output uh, sorry no input and do have an output on the other hand for classical computers it's hard to create a function that has no output and an input you have to somehow fake the input because a computer a classical computer is deterministic is going to get the same answer all the time to the same operation so that's that's sort of two different aspects the aspect of supervised and unsupervised learning are are, are different themselves and, and one tends to lend better to classical computers and the other one tends to lend better from quantum computers uh what that's that's interesting so you're saying that because of the randomness of quantum computing that it's more uh suited for unsupervised learning what what type of uh things have you seen in the unsupervised learning that were are useful to business that um that a quantum computer has been able to do well as for as for now they, they there there is some uh there's some work ex, uh, exploring in things like uh finding distributions uh in in modeling distributions and and that would be a a, a potential game that we can have for for quantum uh, computers right so you can use these in generative modeling or in anything you want so that's something that we've been we've been working on to enhance uh to enhance generative models for example the, the models that uh, generate faces generate images generate data that's uh that's a potential gain and, and general model is still um a young area so it's uh it's still being worked out in the classical computers yet, but it seems to be the next uh, 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 next big big thing that uh, one can use. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited about uh, generative models. Um, the area that we're trying to build is a virtual psychotherapist. Wow. In order to do that, um, it machine has to correctly summarize what it hears and it has to be able to generate um, proper responses in context of what's going on. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's a good combination of supervised and unsupervised learning, right? Because it has to sort of decode whatever you talked about it about and generate some kind of some kind of conceptual answer, but then also use probably a general model to to generate exactly. text. Yeah. The, yeah. It has to be able to abstract, so the ability for it to have language context is really critical because if you're talking to someone who's kind of emotional, you know, they're going to be saying things uh, and you don't want to be drawing, like if they're saying, I'm really upset that my father yelled at me, uh -huh. and you say back to it, we'll go yell back at him. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to work. That's not <laughs> exactly. You you have to not just give an answer, but the the right one. Right. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, generative text and generative summaries, generative energy uh, images are really important. What do you think a quantum computer could do in terms of? Let's say you use the power of the quantum computer to do some generative uh, type of work and then you try to use some transfer learning back to conventional computers so in other words you take advantage of kind of the things that the quantum computer can do really well uh -huh. 
and then by doing that you get the cost saving because it can do things that a traditional computer cannot absolutely i think you you raise a very important point which is uh I don't think quantum computers will, I, I don't think they're going to displace the classical computer. It's always going to be a hybrid. There's no, there's no reason there are uh, the operations that a classical computer does well um, are, are not, there, there's no plan to, to replace them because some of them are, are much better than a, than a quantum computer, right? For, for handling data, for processing addition, all this, all these things, classical computers are perfect. They're deterministic. Uh, so the point is that, as you mentioned, you can use the quantum uh, algorithm in a quantum computer to speed up certain parts of a, of a, of a big pipeline that where you have bottlenecks. And that's, that's where it comes in. And then everything else is processed by the classical computer. So all these quantum algorithms are classical all the time especially the machine learning ones, you, you, you process everything with classical um, algorithms and, and one part you do quantum. So yeah, it's not far-fetched to think that the results that come out of a general model, you can put into a transfer learning model, uh, especially if they're images or, or text or something like that. And in fact, uh, it's what is, uh, these hybrid algorithms are used all the time because quantum computers are not big enough to store an image. So what you do is you would uh, use use a neural network to encode these images, turn them into a much smaller dimensional space, and then apply a quantum algorithm there to understand that space better. Uh, and then bring it back to with a classical algorithm all the way to a, to a big image. Or sometimes you You are where, for example, in, in, in generative adversarial networks, you could have that one of them is classical and the other of them is quantum. You could have that the quantum part generates the predictions, but the classical part helps you um, find the error function and minimize the error function. So it's all it's all hybrid right now, and it's probably going to stay hybrid for a while because the best thing is to is to get the best part of both worlds. Right, that's sort of the the strategy for for most things right for for most businesses yeah, yeah. well what was what is the advantage uh that you've seen the competitive advantage with quantum i mean how much are we talking like a trillion times better or we're talking like the the whole universe times better in yeah a particular no. task yeah it's hard to compare um Right now, the quantum computers uh, are not large enough to 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 be able to to have uh, significant um, improvements. Right? There are two types of things. There, there, there are theoretical improvements. So there are some algorithms that you say, okay, the moment I have a a quantum computer with this many qubits, I will be able to do this calculation in minutes when a classical computer will take uh, 10,000 years or something. Uh, but it's not just speed. Sometimes it's about uh, performance. And as I was mentioning, the, the, the um, distributions or things like that, there are things that, in, in general, there are things that the quantum computer may find that the classical won't, it simply won't search in that, in that area. So, so it's just performance as well. There have been some experiments where the quantum computer does 
with with the with the uh, devices that we have right now, they do beat the classical computer by a lot, but they're mostly um, sort of cooked for that. The Google quantum supremacy experiment recently uh, was a problem. Yeah, you cut it, cut and cut out again. Did you hear me? Yeah, we could cut out just a yeah. little bit. Um, so, so there are experiments you in which you can see. We're talking about the Google supremacy. Yeah, there there are experiments in which you can see quantum supremacy already, but they are designed for that. But what we are, what you know, what the science is pushing right now, uh, as as computers get better, as algorithms get better is to start finding actual applications, real life problems that come not from, not from a group of scientists who build a, a problem designed for that, but from real life, a problem that will, that will take forever for a, for a classical computer and be very quick for a quantum computer. But a, a quintessential example of a theoretical problem is factoring numbers, right? Short algorithm. A classical computer will take a very long time factoring a big number, expressing it into a product of, of primes and that's why we have cryptography right that's why we have uh if you if you it takes a long time for a because it takes a long time for a computer to factor a number is that it is that it takes a long time for a computer to break a password so their passwords are secure because it's not like the computer can break them it's that it will take millions of years quantum computers are theoretically able to factor numbers uh, much much faster we don't have that a quantum computer of that size yet they can factor you know 15 is 3 times 5 but they can't really it's not big enough to factor big numbers yet but when they are that problem will be solved and there's a few theoretical computational what about computational biology that's a new big thing that you know, Stanford came up with uh, their data and a lot of the new startups now are using computational biology neural nets and convolution neural nets with 3D uh, to figure out the molecule and to the and yeah get in there and do a big jump forward in terms of just raw computational power. Yes, this is not my, my expertise, so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of <laughs> give you an answer from what I know. But uh, yeah, things like, uh, things like modeling, modeling proteins, uh, quantum computers are, are used on, on that, that type of problem. And uh, they're def there's, I, I've heard of, of sort of potential improvements in that, in that direction. So where, where do you see the domains? Uh, obviously, their financial is important, uh, science, uh, military, uh, internet. Where, where are the domains that uh, quantum is going to fit in? Yeah, wherever computers fit in, quantum computers will fit in. So, yeah, medicine, science, education, uh, research, Everywhere you can use a computer. Like what would be a, what, what would you say a, a robot that was running with quantum would be like? Would it be a, a super dexterous? Would it be capable of uh, natural language speech? Uh, 
would it have a form of cognition? I mean, do we, can you, uh, I don't, consciousness yeah, I, and quantum, can you, you know, <laughs> I've, I've often heard that the, the brain, for example, uh, Wolfram Alp or Wolfram, Stephen Wolfram suggested that the brain structure was a cellular automa and that it might be a quantum structure. So if you could build the, you know, even the assembly of the brain being a quantum pattern, could it possibly be that you eventually have not just, you know, these small qubits, but then you start building uh, uh, kind of like cellular automa that seems to be like quantum based, like our brain. kind mm, of quantum. Interesting. That's a great idea. I haven't heard of any, any work on, on that direction, but that, you know, seems like a, a, a cool idea. Yeah, it was a really cool idea. I read it uh, on quantum computing, and and the one of the things that they were talking about is cellular automa, these simple uh, algorithms that seem to build complex universal tapestry. And so that one of the uh, algorithms was 101, and that was, it looks like a Pascal triangle when you see the uh, the geometry of it, but then if you measure it statistically, it's perfectly random. Even uh -huh. though it has a geometric shape to it, it's perfectly random. So it's very surprising. And things like uh, Nautilus or thermal dynamics, you know, things that are hard to model, he was putting in a cellular automa. So there were these small little programs that had uh, seemed to have real world uh application i'm wondering if quantum is going to be something like that too where you, you're you're running these algorithms but you're actually the simulation begins to model reality that's quite interesting yeah i'd add I'd, yeah i i wouldn't know but yeah that's uh sounds sounds like a great application well um what did how did you get into quantum computing? Were you were you just a scientist and and then you heard about quantum computing or? Uh, yes, my background is my background is mathematics. That was my my PhD was in math and I was a researcher. And, but I decided to switch to machine learning a while ago when I I got interested. So I I worked in different places in Silicon Valley, uh, Google and Apple and other places and. Also in education, I was at Udacity for some time. Uh, but I got interested in, I started getting interested in quantum computing. And I have a few connections that I asked them many questions and that, and that I was talking to. And so when this opportunity uh, arose, when uh, what, what they needed was someone coming from the machine learning side to learn, to learn the quantum, with the opportunity to learn the quantum, then I, I jumped in because I was very interested in knowing that. So I came from the quantum side. Some people come, I'm sorry, I came from the machine learning side. Some people come from the quantum side and learn machine learning. Others, you know, so it's a very uh, interdisciplinary field because many people come from their expertise is, is different. So you came from uh, deep learning networks, Keras, PyTorch, exactly. TensorFlow. Exactly. And you're kind of moving in. Uh, did you have expertise in generative text, generative inter imaging, uh, GANs, things like that. And then you came over into the quantum world. For my for work, but I didn't know, I didn't know what they were and I had to use them for, 
small experiments and, and things like that. But yeah, I did have uh, experience in, in machine learning, in production and, and those type of things. You know, uh, I'm really interested in uh, where you think quantum will go. You mentioned it, uh, earlier that quantum can do is supremacy. It's, it's showing that it's uh, better than the von Neumann architecture. Uh, it's capable of passing the Turing test, so it can solve, uh, you know, endless problems. Uh, mechanical reasoning, maybe. Uh, but where where is the world of quantum goods? Well, I think I think a lot of the applications are things that are big right now. You know, with, with classical computers, and I think the I think there will be sort of better applications. That I mean, different and better ways to do existing things, right? Like cryptography, as I mentioned, it will it will be different because you'll be able to break many algorithms, but there will be other algorithms you can use that involve quantum computers. So I aware that there will be some kind of like completely new application that will just be like an, an enhancement of the applications that we have right now. What, what about things that uh, like, you know, for example, uh, deep learning networks, they take a lot of uh, CPU, you have to run them under uh, 16 terabyte GPUs that are running, you know, billions, if not trillions of uh, floating point operations per second, or even integer vector additions. Mm-hmm. Uh, are these areas that the quantum is really going to move ahead? I mean, you, you see like the GPU and the success of the GPU as far as uh, energy consumption reduction, increased computation, when you compare it against the CPU, it's 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 like uh, CPU is moving linearly and the GPU is moving exponentially. Will that also be true with quantum as we compare it against the GPU, or are they in two different realms? There are, there are quantum neural networks, and they and uh, there's a lot of research in. In, in, in both in the performance and in, in the speed, right? And so performance would be like, yeah, are they able to to look and find for solutions where the quantum computer and where the classical computer can't? For example, a neural network gets trained uh, using things like gradient descent, which are very local, right? So it, the potential of, of saying like, would, you know, would something explore more farther, farther points? Uh, that's a question that one can ask in order to improve a neural network that has nothing to do with um, speed or or, or uh, that type of, of performance, right? You can say, will it be able to actually reduce my error function more? That's, that's a different question because many times a neural network's problem is not that you need to throw more GPU at it, but it's something fundamental of like not, you know, if you if you throw more more computational power at it, it, it may still find the think that the minimum of a function is this when it's something else. So there's there's just many other questions to answer. And so yeah, yeah. Well, and that's and that's part of the reason why uh, long ter- long short term memory was introduced and uh, 
those gated uh, recurrent units is exactly. because of that gradient descent problem is they you know you get caught in these local minimums and you can't get out of it and there's a global minimum but you need some way for it to kind of hop out of that local minimum and it can't do that correct uh, yeah or, or yeah methods that methods that 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 improve gradient descent by adding a momentum method that it that you know find the do random restart methods that change the change the the learning rate they're they're very useful for for being able to find out a local minimum right yeah and i, I remember in college about learning about the learning rate uh -huh. and this kind of uh, randomness and the professor at the time said you know it's kind of like when you uh you, your brain you know when you've worked really hard you need a you need sleep and you need entertainment so that you uh -huh. kind of your brain kind of randomizes the weights in your brain and so mm. you can learn. And I found I can, I can take a problem that I can't solve. And if I'll just go to sleep, uh, usually two to three days, if it's a really hard one, two to three days, uh, I have an idea. And I just, you know, it's kind of interesting how our brains seem to work uh, to solve that local minimum problem. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I think uh, it's, it's a great uh, analogy of, of how it, it works for a human too, right? We can't try to solve the problem in the same framework, but sometimes we just got to step back, randomize our weights by thinking of something else and and come back. And that's what neural networks do, right? They just start a, with a random new, uh, they just jump to a different place and see if a, a new solution can be found there, right? Like looking for a needle in a haystack, right? Like sometimes you're sick of looking in a certain place and then just go to another different place of the haystack and try to find it there. And sometimes you'll, you'll have better luck. You know, uh, one of the things that quantum introduces is uh, the idea of time. You know, so you look at your, the, the problem, most, most of uh, neural nets are dealing with time series. Like you're, you're taking uh, data and uh, you, you're looking at once, especially for generative text, you're looking at one point in time, you're looking at another point in time. So you take uh, the boy ran to the store. Mm -hmm. It starts with a start token, then it goes to the, and then it goes to the boy, the boy ran mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the store. So it you know, kind of builds this, and the neural net seems to learn the state. In other words, it seems to learn uh, the probabilities between those words based on where you are in time. Mm -hmm. uh, so it seems like the quantum computer is going to do really well for things that uh, may be time-based, but I'm also wondering, you know, one of the things with self-driving cars is they have to kind of predict. Uh, in other words, they're trying to predict not just what's happening right now or what happened in the past, but what's going to happen uh, two seconds into the future or maybe mm -hmm. three seconds into the future. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have a self-driving car and you and you have the image in front of it, it, it still doesn't say everything because you could be stand you could be uh, standing or you could be at a very high speed, right? You could be stopped or at a very high speed and see the same image in front of you. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of time series uh, is needed for them as well. Not not just the image, but also like the sequence of images and being able to predict what image would come next or what action would you have to do. Not now, but like later as well. You know, it's the same thing happens in games like chess or Go, right? You can just look at 
right now, but you have to look at a few, you know, the sequence of moves, what, what, what are the possible sequence of moves in the future that will take you somewhere, etc. So yeah, time series is very, very necessary. Yeah. And I, I think of this, I think of that is an interesting problem with robots too, is uh, that when you look at the pro the process of walking, uh, you know, Boston Robot seems to kind of solve that problem with a hopping algorithm, you know. Uh, but when you look at a human being, we move our, we pick up our leg and then we, we guess, we, our, our perception is that we're, we're kind of like a baby. We're oscillating between our guesses, you know, and then we put our foot down and almost like a, a reinforcement learn, learning algorithm, if it's correct then we get a positive reinforcement and then we're, we're kind of a reward system and, a, you know, affirmation. And uh, it's going to be interesting with quantum machines. If Do you think that they will be more conditional? I mean, that's been my kind of theory is that uh, computing is moving away from kind of this linear type of, of uh, expected behavior to more conditioning behavior. So what do you mean by, let's see. Uh, like more of a uh, reward or punishment. So it's figuring out goals and things. And how does it know that it's achieved the right goal? It has to have some sort of policy or a reward. Yeah. Well, for the policy or reward, uh, I still, um, both things work, right? Like a, like a classical computer, that would be like an input output system, right? You have the input is the policy and your current state and the output is whatever next action you're going to do, right? So that, like everything, there's potential to to make it quantum, but that's also a, a framework that works well in the classical land, right? Because you have a, you're training the parameters of a function to get from some input to some output and, and while maximizing the expected reward or the expected gain, right? So there may still be things there, um, that can be optimized with uh, with a quantum computer, but it's still reinforcement learning. Is still a framework that you know works um, in terms of being a framework. I don't think it has any any flaws that uh, need to be immediately uh, you know turn turn into into quantum. It may may have to look look at it more, but. Uh, Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I was just uh, thinking of these algorithms that are, are kind of adaptive, like, uh, you know, there's a evolution algorithm that's probably a genetic algorithm. Uh, you have the reinforcement learning it, it, where they, that's kind of unsupervised, you know, it's uh -huh. exploring the world. It's learning from this kind of policy standpoint. And, uh, you know, it seems like the quantum is, going to open up a lot of dimensions in terms of things that it can do because it can do it so quick uh so then you, you know when let's say you know a normal uh like an algorithm like the original one from stanford called shaky i mean it could move a little bit then it had to stop and it had to calculate and it could move a little bit and have to stop and calculate so the problem has been you know can you get the real-time speed you know and but it could do it accurately, but it took a long time. Yeah. And I think that's what maybe we, you were facing. Yeah, there may be improvements in terms of 
looking in that, searching in that big space, right? Because it seemed to me that your algorithm had to search in a in a very high dimensional space, right? You got way too much degrees, way too many degrees of freedom there. Or um, so, yeah, to be that. Okay, well, our time's up, yeah. and well, this has been really uh, great. Did you have any closing remarks or uh, things that uh, you would like to share, like how people could follow your work? Uh, thank you. Yes, um, if people want to follow me, uh, there's I have my, my page is called Serrano.academy. And I have a lot of educational material in uh, my YouTube channel. So if they want to check that out, just search for Louis Serrano on, on YouTube. I can give you the link. Also wrote a, a book recently called Rocking Machine Learning. So what I try to do is explain in, in very common terms uh, the concepts of machine learning, quantum machine learning, etc. And so if anyone's interested, please check those. And uh, because it's a, I try to make like a sort of introductory way to to get into all these topics uh, without all the formulas and the mumbo jumbo, but actually sort of looking at examples and, and those type of things. So I invite you to, wow. to look at that. That's really great. Yeah. And uh, there's been, I've, again, yeah. uh, there's been people that have asked me, what, what, where does quantum computing fit? And I think your book uh, is going to be a nice introduction. You've done a really good job explaining quantum and uh, kind of that, how it can be taken from higher dimension down to a lower dimension, get an answer and move that back into a higher dimension through conventional computing. And I think that bridge is going to be catch a lot of people's attention because, you know, they, they're, they're going to want to solve harder problems, but they're going to want to yeah. see if the quantum could save them money in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely uh, check that page. A lot, a lot of the material has classical, but there are some, some things quantum. And I think in the future, everything's going to be a, a hybrid, a quantum classical <laughs> hybrid. So in the same way that now we have to learn to program no matter what we do. And soon we're going to have to learn AI for no matter what we do. I, I make, I, I'm confident that, that something like quantum computers be something in the future. Everybody will have to know a little bit no matter what they do because it's just going to be in most industries uh, for the better. All right. Well, thanks a All lot right. and talk to you later. Thank you, David. Have a good day.